jump right in. We're going to be in Ephesians 5 today. And I want us to also, before we jump in, we talked a little bit about it down in Sunday school, but as we jump in, I want you guys to also remember that just because it says chapter 5 doesn't mean that it is still not connected to chapter 4. A lot of times when you read a chapter, it's almost like, oh, this is a new thought. This is a new process. No, chapters were put in later. So I want you to continue that. This is a continual thread. This is a continual growth. This is a continual thing that, that is building on top of each other. Brad laid out a great sermon last week. And I'm not just talking his words or how he spoke or how what he did. What he really did was lay out the word God about where your identity should really lie and who it should lie in. And we will continue to grow on his talk and jump right in of, of how this looks in Ephesians 5. Let's start with verse 1. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loves us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Okay, we're going to stop there. Um, so the word, the first word there is follow God's example. That word follow is used in the NIV. Imitators is used in the ESV. Followers is in the King James. And what it means and what that process means is to mimic. Mimic. Therefore, be imitators of God. This is a huge outline of chapter 5, also with 4, as it keeps saying, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love. Now, my youngest likes to mimic me, okay? And the way that she does that is all of a sudden, her little voice drops really deep. Tries to be like really deep. Hey, stop jumping on the bed. Like that is the way she imitates. Yes, I don't want her jumping on the bed and couch all the time. And so she'll like come, hey, hey, I'm like, it's not my voice. Not the, the children are great imitators. They're, they're, it's following the example. And just like in anything, it can be good or bad. What you imitate, it can not always be good. Hey, hey, stop being so angry. You know, like, you know, like how you act, they will imitate. Um, I'm going to show a quick video of uh, some examples of how children are, are imitators. <laughs> So uh, I really do like this one. There's a couple others, but uh, I figured I think that gets the point across. Uh, just as these videos show, we need to be imitators of Christ. We need to be disciples. Do you look in your life like Christ at all? So the point number one is mimic Christ for your identity. Mimic Christ for your identity. Christ, as it says, Christ loves us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now what he's having here is this is a pullback to all the Old Testament. This is what is going on. I like how Adam Clark, uh, he talks about it as an offering, uh, is an offering that is made unto the Lord, a fine, uh, or fine flour with oil and frankincense. It means an offering by which gratitude was expressed for this blessing to be received uh, from the bounty of God. He also talks about sacrifice here. It's just not the offering, but it's also the sacrifice. Adam Clark states it. Here, what is sacrifice? It's a sin offering, which you build off each other, a victim for sin. Which almost universally means that the, the sacrificial act in which the blood of an animal was poured out as an atonement for sin. These terms may be justly considered as included every kind of sacrifice and offering made to God on any account. Okay, so they're pulling this back into what Christ had done. Christ had was an offering; he was that of a sacrifice for us, and we are to live like that for Him. God has laid the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate groundwork, the ultimate foundation, the ultimate example of love throughout time from His birth. Life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
We are dearly loved, and we are to walk in that same love. My youngest, as I just said, uh, about a year ago, I had a cyst on my back. And so they had to cut it, get it out. Nasty. Not, not cool to tell anybody in public, but it starts uh, to play that. But I, I had one, and it was like bugging me, so it gets there. And she saw the bandage. And she saw the bandage, and she was really nervous. About four to five times a week, she still comes and asks me, is my booty okay? And she'll rub my back to make sure that I'm okay. What an example of love. Unconditional love. Like, it's been here. I've told her this multiple times, even though I love, she cares about me. But she comes and she still represents that. And the reason why I use her as an example is that all oh, is we, and I would, if you are one of the writing types, I would write this down. It says, be children that mimic Christ. Be children that mimic Christ and love in a radical way. If you mimic anything else, it is not of the Father, but that of evil. God says love, the world says lust. God says holy, the world says rules. God brings life, the world brings death. Mimic Christ to know and be who you are. Uh, I like this quote from uh, Inspiring Philosophy. Uh, that was his Twitter handle. Uh, his is, uh, building your identity on anything besides God, even though you may believe in God and pray to God, you are not actually following God, but using God as a means to an end. Identity matters. What your identity is built in, just as Brad talked about last week, what our identity is built in is huge. Is it built into Christ or is it built into other things? We'll continue. This leads me to point number two. To know your identity, point number two, God sets the standard. There has to be a standard that's yes, that, that God sets this. He says this, but among you, we're continuing to read in Ephesians uh, 5, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Uh, not a hint is uh, usually a problem with Christians today. We want to get as close to the line of sin as possible and even sometimes say, hey, I'm going to use this to spread the gospel. I'm right here. I'm not crossing the line. Okay. Uh, I have this I have this, uh, this water. You know, it's good. You can always drink a little bit. Uh, oh, yeah, that's good stuff. Good H2O. And I was going to do this, but then I felt like I leave at the end. It could get uh, dangerous. Let me see if I put a drop of bleach in. Would anyone want to drink it then? Just one drop. It's not that bad. That's just bleach. What? It's just a, what? not a hint. It, it can be small, but it can corrupt the whole thing. All of this that was life-giving, that this was good, and it, it, it tasted good, and it nourishes me. And all of a sudden, you drop one thing of bleach, or one thing if you went to old school poison, I felt like that back in the day. You drop it in there, then that isn't that of life. That's that, and that's what he's warning right here. It's not a hint. We, we have to live differently. And, and Brad talked about this last week, and I think Goose exposed it out great in this quote. He goes, we must notice the theme of the moral appeal. It isn't avoid these things so that you can be a saint. Rather, it is you are a saint. Now live in a manner fitting for a saint. The constant moral appeal of the New Testament is simply this. Be who you are in Jesus. Not the American. You be you. You be who you are. That's not, but be who you are in Jesus. And if God sets that standard, he's telling you right now that you are a saint. You are a saint. And that should change the way we live of trying to not get to the line, but now we live in a different identity, that of Christ. If I were to ask one of you to come up and preach, okay, I'm just going to take a wild guess that none of you would come up here wearing only a bathing suit. I'm not lying. It crossed my mind pulling that off. But then I thought I would not be asked back. No, because that would, that's not hiding into the situation. It's not, it's not right. And so many of us, we compromise that in different areas of our lives. And God's saying, that's not your identity. That's not who you are. So it's just not a hint of sexual immorality, which 
we all get to, but it's also for any kind of impurity. Uh, the Got Questions website says impurity is the condition of being defiled in some sense. The word impurity can also refer to the contaminant itself, an unwanted substance that makes something unclean. Um, I got to go golfing with my wife on Wednesday night. I said, hey, we usually like, hey, we, we like to go out on things like, we're like, hey, let's go out. What would you want to do? We usually like to go out to eat, but she's like, uh, you want to do something active? She's like, tennis, and she goes golfing. I was like, I love this woman. <laughs> so don't get to go golfing that way. That's what you want. But she's like, yeah, go golfing. Like, we're going to do just uh, nine holes to par three. She's done around six. I can go 18, but hey, I'll take what I can get. Let's do nine. We're going to go golfing. Now, there's one hole that on this course, it's a par three. It's simple. It's good. I always struggle with it. It's hole number five. It's hole number five. I don't know why. I just always, I hit it wrong. There's always something I struggle with. I'm playing really good. I'm showing off to my wife. You know, like, you know. Uh, so we're golfing. And I'm like, okay. So I hit the first one. It goes off to the right again. And it's about pin high, but that means that it's like in the area, but it's off to the right. Now, par means you shot even, you did well. Birdie means you did really well. The bogey means you made a mistake. Okay? So I would love to par here. So I chip, and it goes close to the hole, and I'm like, I'm going to par this hole. I'm going to par this hole. I'm going to par And I tap it in, and I par it. And I am so happy. And as I put my hand in there to get the ball out, I feel this, ah! So what had happened is, you know how there's the stamp that holds the flag? Well, it had shattered, and when I put my finger in there, I put my finger into a splinter. And I, of course, pull my hand, and at that moment, I was like, hole five got me again. Like, I can never win at this hole, even when I par, it comes back. My finger hurt, but it was fine. It was like, whatever. It's like, ah, no blood. But I was like, I finished the hole, we go through. The whole next day, like, I can feel a little bit, but I'm not really paying attention. My wife's coming home from work, so this is about close to 24 hours later. My wife gives me a call and goes, hey, how's your finger? It's like, that's a random question, but I'm glad that you love me. And I looked down, and it had now blown up. Like, because, I guess, I guess, well, I know, there was still something in my finger. There was the plastic that fell off. So my wife, when she gets home, we had to pick it apart. Of course, I love seeing my wife, like, almost semi-gag a few times. I just trying to, just pick it, just pick it. What are we doing? Because it's coming out. And, and the reason why I say that, it was a very small thing. It was a, it was a, it was a little piece of plastic in my finger, but it was affecting me. And you know what? It was not affecting my whole body at that time. I was still functioning through the day, but all of a sudden, it was slowly creeping in. It was slowly taking over. Something was unclean in the body. Something was having to be taken care of. All of a sudden, after I saw it, it really started to hurt. And, the, and I, like you started to notice it. I think that sometimes in our Christian life, is when we sometimes notice some sin or something in our life, it, it is an impurity that needs to be cleaned out. And I'll tell you, it gets messy. It, it was not fun. It was not digging needles into trying to pick it out. It's tweezers. She's like, if you don't get it here soon, or you're going to have to go to the yard. I was like, I'm not sitting there for two hours just to have them do the same thing. And then when we got it, there was such joy because the impurity was gone. God sets the standard. So many times for us, though, in our lives, we let impurity stay around. We let impurities, small ones, because we're like, oh, it's okay, that's okay. It's not, it's just a little thing on your finger. You don't do any of the big things wrong. You let the little impurities stay. And that means, actually, that you're not following God's standard. You set your own. That's dangerous, because you now set your own standards. Say you follow Christ. But when God sets the standard, he's the one. Let's wrap up with more of greed. The dictionary says this, that greed is a strong and selfish desire to have more of something, most often money or power. And we can see this throughout the Bible. The warnings and verses about greed and riches. It's, it's interesting that there was kings, like King David, and he had money. But you still get different stories throughout of other people that had money, but they wanted greed. Greed is dangerous. Luke 12, 15, 15 says this. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. But where your treasure is, where your heart will also be. I want to go to uh, Matthew 24. I'll just read it. It's good. Where it says, You cannot serve God and money. 
I'm talking all about this. It's sexual immorality, impurity, and greed are all improper, all improper. And so the question is why we compromise. Uh, I want to stay on topic. I had this uh, uh, this video uh, of this guy, a pastor, who does this Easter service. He does this Easter service. And during the sermon, he literally says that the people ask, hey, when we do the show, how do you want the show? And he literally said, hey, I want to get as close to the line to sin as possible during the show. But not sin. Not sin. And why? Why? And I would say that is not God's standard. That is not how God's standard would be. I never, never have I seen Jesus say, hey, this is as close to sin as I want to get. Now, here's the difference. Jesus was around sinners. The problem is I think many of us believe that we have to be close to sin to witness. It's actually the complete opposite. If you are in complete darkness, if there is complete darkness all around, the one with the flashlight is king. The one with the light is king, correct? And we have the light. The problem is there's so many times that some of us want to cover the light because we don't want too many people to notice. Or we don't want too many people to come. Because you know, some people want to stay in the darkness. And people struggle with that. Well, we'll move on to point number three. It says this, Thanksgiving versus foolish talk. Nor should there be obscenities, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. But rather Thanksgiving. This means our mouth matters. Not just what we, that we don't say bad words, but how we praise God out of our mouths at one moment, but then we also use that same mouth if we put other people, other images of God down at the same time. Now, I believe that you can joke. I heard a great quote. So you, it's, you can't do ministry without laughter. Like, you just, laughter is key. There's different forms of joking. It says this, and I like how Wiersbe puts it, because even in Ephesians 4.29, it talks about the mouth. Now we're in Ephesians 5. Wiersbe says this, the mouth and the heart are connected. Fill the heart with the love of Christ so that only truth and purity can come out of the mouth. Our words should minister grace and help to draw others closer to Christ. What beautiful words. It says this also in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 14. It says this, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it as a human word, but as it, but not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same thing those churches suffered from the Jews. We see the word imitators here again. We see the word of thanksgiving. Not just that, but thanksgiving comes even through suffering. Paul and his fellow church leaders and people have invested in these people. God is working through them because they were imitators. They mimicked God's churches. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to not just be individual light. We're called to be the church light because God is using us together. How beautiful is that? That our light shines. shines. And through this, Paul is thankful to the Lord. And I just want us to look at our heart. Is our heart one of things to the Lord for eternal salvation? Is our heart thankful to the Lord to be able to share the gospel? Is our heart thankful to be able to have Bibles in our house that we're able to read while others don't even have the scripture? Some of this world has lost thankfulness, and it shows. I'm going to wrap up with uh, point number four because I know some of you will not be able to rest without all the points. It'll be like next week. I could leave it as a great cliffhanger, but I won't do that. Uh, the last one, point number four, is no idols. It says, and I'll read this, it says, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not partner with them. As we talked about, idolaters is the worship of idols or excessive devotion to or reverence for some people or thing. An idol is anything that replaces the one true God. The most prevalent form of idolatry in Bible times was the worship of images that were thought to embody the various pagan deities. 
I like this quote. Once again, Ryan's fire philosophy says, sin is not just breaking the law of God, but loving something more than God, inviting your identity on it. We may have good things in general, but then we cannot let that good thing become the ultimate thing. If we have our identity in ourselves or on idols, it is false and it leads to death. Paul even challenges this in Philippians 3 when he talks about, of these I am, I am great, like I've done this, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. All that he talks about that, I have accomplished all the human accomplishments possible. But before and after that famous quote, he says this, for all those who boast in Christ and who put no confidence in the flesh, he says in verse 7, but whoever regains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. You can be the pinnacle of what you are in the flesh, all that, all that great thing, but we need to put it at the feet of Christ. We must mimic Christ because he sets the standard. And when we do, we are blessed with the heart of thankfulness and thanksgiving because we have the freedom of him alone with no baggage. The question I'm going to end with you today is do you mimic Christ? Do you trust his standards? Do you have a heart of thanksgiving or a heart of selfishness? And do other idols take over in your life? Paul is challenging our heart to look at our lives now. This question and the challenge I have to you, wrestle with them. Don't put it off. Wrestle with the challenges of these. Chew on them so that we can be light and mimic Christ throughout our lives. Most of us, the way I say it is, when we talked about the light on a dark room, are you holding the light proudly or do you try to cover it? I'm asking you, hold it. Hold it so it all can be seen, so Christ can be seen. Not you, but his glory. His word. Do you mimic Christ? And I challenge us as we do that today. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for who you are. Thank you for this time of worship and this time to glorify your name. And many of us, our identity is in maybe our work, or maybe it's in our, in our things, or who we talk to, our, our, prestige, our prestigiousness, and our, our, our wealth, and our, our things that we own, or what other people think of us. May we not mimic those idols. May we not deal with those idols. May we not have a hand in those idols. May we only turn and worship you. And if any of us in here right now are struggling with that, I pray that they hand it over. They give it over. And are obedient in your heart, your will. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.